You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. College football today. Huge battle taking place in South Beach. Number three, Notre Dame. Number seven, Miami. Doesn't get better than this. Rock and Rich Sermonello, this was college football back in the day. Melvin Bratton, Tim Brown. I mean, that's what it was all about. And, and renewed rivalry later tonight. I think it comes down to Miami's defense. I mean, they're holding opposing offenses to only 197 passing yards per game. I mentioned nine interceptions over the last three games, but it goes beyond that. They've also recorded 11 total sacks during that span. And you look at the matchup of Notre Dame against Georgia. I know it was earlier in the season, but that's what I look for the defensive game plan out of the Hurricanes later tonight. Uh, Miami has done a tremendous job defensively. Uh, rebuilt secondary has looked great. Give a lot of credit to Manny Diaz. Those guys are flying all over the field. They're confident. I, th- I would love to see you, my good friend Joe Lisi, with the turnover chain. <laughs> I was going to bring it in today. That I, would I was going to wear that. it today. What a prop that would be to no, the studio. I love, I love Miami. JL today. with the turnover chain. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, listen, Miami has done a fantastic job. Credit to Mark, Mark Richt. I, I think his mindset even has been fantastic because saw him interviewed this week and he said, you know, they, they were trying to goad him a little bit and saying, ah, you know what, you're, uh, you're outside the top four and you're unbeaten. Does that bother you? He's like, we're kind of happy where we're at. Right. If we take care of business, you know, we'll wind up in the playoff. And I think that's the best possible mindset you could have for a coach. I like Notre Dame because of the powerful north-south running game. But I also like the fact that Brandon Wimbush has become a more competent passer. We know he's a run-first quarterback at this time, but he's making plays downfield. He's finding his tight ends. He's getting the ball to Equinemius St. Brown. Chase Claypool, their wide receiver from Canada, did a nice job last week against Wake Forest. That offense against Wake Forest, a good Wake, Wake Forest defense, they ran through that team with complete reckless abandon 48 points could have been into the 50s if that game was close so i like notre dame but i I think it's going to be a competitive really classic game well you look at both of these teams in terms of forcing turnovers notre dame is plus 12 in turnover margin miami is plus 11 as well entering this matchup turnovers will be critical later tonight. The one thing I think when you look at Notre Dame offensively, they're passing for 170 yards through uh, through the air, 324 on the ground over the last five games, Rich. A dominant, dominant run-heavy offense. They're averaging 349 rushing yards per game over the last five games, so they haven't been asked to do a lot in terms of the passing game. But when I look at Miami's defense, they face mobile quarterbacks in Georgia Tech and Josh Jack. This is a speedy defense that can run sideline to sideline, and they force Josh Jackson to beat them over the top. That's the game plan I expect to play out. Joe, you touched on a great point. I just want to piggyback on real quickly. Turnovers, both teams have been fantastic in terms of creating turnovers, but who is making more turnovers? Malik Rozier, is it a problem with interceptions? Notre Dame, one of the best teams in the country in limiting their turnovers. I think that's a factor to watch out for tonight. We'll give our prediction for this game and we'll jump into Virginia Tech and Georgia Tech. Keep it where it is. Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Studio 34.
Playing daily fantasy basketball this year? Consider Daily Roto your go-to resource. Whether you play on DraftKings or FanDuel, Daily Roto's customizable projections, podcasts, strategy guides, and lineup optimizer will help you compete with the pros in a fraction of the time. With a team featuring millionaire maker winners and live final champions, there's no better place to get your NBA DFS content. Better yet, you can save 10% using the promo code FNTSY. So go to dailyroto.com slash premium and learn more about our awesome product. ACC battle taking place in Atlanta. Bobby Dodd Stadium. It is Virginia Tech. It is Georgia Tech. Virginia Tech has won three of the last five by four points per game. But the Yellow Jackets got this victory last year, 30-20. to I just feel Virginia Tech is the fresher team at this point in the season, Rich. Defensively, the Hokies holding opposing offenses to 122 rushing yards per game. They're holding opposing offenses as well to 178 passing yards through the air. And more importantly, third down defense, 24%. That's the difference for me. I look at this Georgia Tech offense over the last couple of games. They've converted 9 of 32 third downs, a one-dimensional offense, and more importantly, I think they're getting worn out in terms of their secondary in this ballgame. I expect Josh Jackson to have a huge day later today. In terms of bounce back, and both teams have to bounce back after losses last weekend, I'm more inclined to go with the Hokies as well. I'm not going to abandon Justin Fuente's team uh, despite the horrible performance against Miami, I'll give more credit to Miami than dogging uh, Virginia Tech at this point. But Georgia Tech really has me concerned. There was a time earlier this season where I thought they might have even been a threat for the Coastal Division. Defense was playing well. Taquan Marshall, Cervante Benson were running the ball. But they have hit the skids. Back-to-back losses. Last week against Virginia was a particular concern of mine. Losing 40-36. to And again, I'm going to drill down a little bit. This is beyond just offense defense the offensive line which makes that triple option go they've been underperforming over the past couple of weeks and now you pit them against that defensive line of bud foster led by tim settle led by ricky water the linebackers tremaine edmonds very good they fly to the ball they've seen this triple option before the road team has won four straight in this series Virginia Tech is on the road, on the flats. I think they win. I think they bounce back and get back into the win column. Yeah, and you mentioned the the last four games now for Georgia Tech. They faced Wake Forest, Miami, Clemson, and Virginia. Those teams are a, a combined 27-8 and eight overall, or a 771 winning percentage. And when you look at the Georgia Tech secondary over that span, they've allowed 254 passing yards per game, eight touchdowns, two interceptions. They're going up against Josh Jackson in an offense that's passing for 258 yards through the air. They can also run the football averaging 171 yards on the ground. And I think the fresher team at this point in the season is Virginia Tech. It is back-to-back row games, but I don't think it matters. I've been on Georgia Tech. I picked them to win the Coastal, but I know when to jump off as well because I think from a schedule perspective, this could be a worn-out, one-dimensional football team. If Virginia Tech jumps out early, it could be a long day. 
Yeah, and, and again, I like the makeup of this Virginia Tech team. I, I tend to not uh, over-evaluate or overstate a team based on one game. Thought Virginia Tech did a bad job last week, got outplayed by Miami, but as a whole, I still like Josh Jackson. I love the defense. The offensive line, led by Wyatt Teller, is an underrated group. So I, I, I think Georgia Tech, which is beginning to skid, continues down that direction. My only concern, looking at trends, they've been a good team at Bobby Dodd this year, 4-0. That's something to take a look at. But I, I think when teams start to trend in the wrong direction in November, a lot of the preseason goals are gone. These young kids tend to lose focus. I think that's going to be the case with Georgia Tech. So I agree with you. This line is only, what, two or three points? Yeah, I two see and a half, three points. Yeah, I think Virginia Tech uh, wins. These games tend to be close. Seven of the last nine de- uh, decided by a touchdown or less, Joe. So it could be a close game for a while. In the end... Virginia Tech is the better football team, and I think they'll prove it. Yeah, and here, when you look at their schedule, Wake Forest, a blue-collar team, Miami, very physical and on the defensive side of the ball. Clemson and Virginia are no joke in terms of a physicality on the offense and defensive lines. And now here comes Virginia Tech, another blue-collar team. You look at Georgia Tech, if they cannot run the football consistently, they're put out of their game plan. They have to pass to come from behind, and that's why they struggle on third-down conversions. Georgia Tech is averaging 330 rushing yards on the ground. They're only passing for 83 yards through the air. I think Virginia Tech does win this ballgame by 17 points or more. That's how strong I feel about this game. Well, and you might be right. I, again, this this series tends to be close, and the fact that it's on the flats, I'll, I'll say a closer game than that. I think it'll be more competitive maybe in the 7 to 10 point range, but I like Virginia Tech yeah, as well. Yeah, we'll see. It is a 12-20 start. It is on the ACC network. When we Another game that we'll talk about is Big Ten, uh, Big Ten championship implications. It's Michigan State. It is Ohio State. Michigan State with a gutty home win after what eight hour delay yeah, against Penn yeah. State. They kicked the field, the field, the field goal, field goal. Franklin and the crew. We know what happened to Ohio State. Ohio State's won three of the last five over the Spartans by four point seven points per game. Last four games have been decided in the area of about 13 points, Rich. I mean, this is not going to be an easy game for Ohio State at home. I don't think so. I almost feel like Vegas is tempting us to take Michigan State. I'm taking the bait. I like the Spartans in this game. We've seen the evolution of Brian Lewerke, the quarterback from Michigan State. The defense has been good all year round. L.J. Scott in the running game. Yeah, so-so. I'm not really sure if they're going to have success against Ohio State, but I wonder about the mindset of the Buckeyes. You know, thinking after the Penn State victory that they might have a shot to not only win the Big Ten, but go on and and earn a playoff spot for a second straight year, and then they get completely eviscerated by Iowa in Iowa City. Everything that we thought, hey, JT Barrett, maybe a Heisman Trophy, (laughs) maybe a Heisman. First pass out of the game, first play is a pick six to Amani Hooker going the other way so the mindset of Ohio State concerns me after really getting brutalized by Iowa last week these games are always competitive Mark D'Antonio knows how to coach against Urban Meyer these games are always close you know decided by one or two possessions so it's a lot of points to give Michigan State and think about what's at stake for the Spartans they've already beaten Penn State they've already beaten Michigan they could get the trifecta beat Ohio State essentially wrap up 
the Big Ten East at that point and set up a date w- with Wisconsin. So it's been a great year for D'Antonio and the Spartans. Well, I'm going to go a step further with Michigan State. I think he's done a fantastic job. He's re-evaluated that team from last year. They were decimated on the defensive side of the ball in terms of sack totals. They only had 11 total sacks through 12 games. They're getting to the passer, and more importantly, in terms of run support, Michigan State holding opposing offenses to 87 rushing yards per game. But if they win this ball game, let's say convincingly, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but if they do and they dominate Wisconsin, could we possibly talk about Michigan State if the chips fall the way they may? Well, I mean, I think a lot of chips would have to fall in their direction. Never know. Because you the, never know. The, the two losses, right, they got battered by ND. What was that? 38 to 18? They got killed, I think, but it was, was early the in their year. Lost to Northwestern, which is a three-loss team right now. In overtime, though. Anything is possible, but they're going to need a lot of help at this point for that to happen. I, I'm thinking more in terms of Big Ten Championship. This could be this could be a Coach of the Year type season for Mark D'Antonio, because not only were they three and nine last season? But the off uh, the off season was dominated by off field problems. So this was a program that was in disarray. We were talking about you know maybe it's the end of the line for Mark D'Antonio. Some people were saying could we need a little bit of change of uh, of leadership in East Lansing? And now he has them thinking Big Ten East, possibly Big Ten title. I love the development of this defense. Really like where Brian Lewerke is heading. If they can get anything on the ground against Ohio State. I think there's a possibility of an upset in this game. I'm worried about the mindset of Ohio State. Can they get back up after the emotional victory against Penn State, the emotional loss to Iowa, and now here comes Michigan State that's going to play really with nothing to lose and a lot to gain. And they're not going to fear Ohio State in this yeah. matchup. They lost this ball they game 17-16 to 16 last year when they had a 3-9 and nine season, so they come to play each and every year against the Buckeyes. The one thing I don't like about Ohio State in terms of turnover margin, they are negative 6 over the last couple of games. You cannot win games in the Big Ten and in this type of environment if you're not forcing turnovers and winning the turnover battle and I feel that Michigan State can run the football I I just have a feeling that when I look at that ball game last week in Iowa City they quit they really quit after they fell down by double digits I didn't see the resolve of Ohio State in years past a younger defense that we've seen inexperienced for the most part yeah they're solid in the front seven but I, I think when they got hit in the mouth just like Clemson did last year they folded well, listen, Ohio State has the better athletes than Michigan State, but now that we got to November, I really start to play crack psychologist. You know, Urban Meyer's one of the best coaches maybe in the history of college football, certainly one of the two or three best coaches today, but can he get these kids back up after the last two weeks? And let's not forget that, yeah, they won that emotional 39-38 to victory over Penn State, but for much of that game, they were outplayed by the Nittany Lions. So the Buckeyes, outside of that one prolific quarter from JT Barrett, how, how many times this season have they looked great against a good opponent? Didn't happen earlier against Oklahoma either. Yeah, I see Ohio State winning this game. I'll just, I, I, somebody asked me about this game on Monday, and I gave out an Ohio State seven-point victory. I'll hold that. I think when you see the big number, uh, people want to know why. I think it's because Vegas doesn't feel Urban Meyer will lose back-to-back games yeah. in the Big Ten. And maybe he doesn't, but maybe he's closer than Vegas Yeah, thinks. we'll see how it plays out. It is a 3.30 kick on ABC. When we come back, we'll be talking to former Georgia Bulldog wide receiver Corey Allen. This is Joe Lisi and Ritz. Manella live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Studio 34.
If you're playing daily fantasy basketball on DraftKings or FanDuel this NBA season, you need to sign up for Daily Roto. Built by a team featuring millionaire maker winners and live final champions, Daily Roto's customizable projections, podcasts, strategy guides, and lineup optimizer will help you compete with the pros in a fraction of the time. Better yet, you can save 10% off using the promo code FNTSY. So go to dailyroto.com backslash premium to learn more about their product. Georgia was down and out on the Plains with one second left on the clock playing Auburn before Mike Bobo hit Corey Allen with the game-tying touchdown pass to send the game into the SEC's first overtime game. If you want to talk Auburn, you want to talk Georgia, you get a big-time player live on the Fantasy Sports Celebrity Guest Line. He joins us, former Georgia Bulldog wide receiver Corey Allen. Corey, how are you? Extremely excited, Joe. Just as you mentioned, we got the Deep South oldest rivalry at stake down here with Georgia taking on the number 10 ranked Auburn Tigers and me personally I only have great memories of this traditional rivalry because it brings out the best in both teams and this is one of those situations where uh, it's all really on the line this is a rivalry and it also matters not just on this field but in the landscape of college football altogether and I think both of these teams are going to be excited and chomping at the bit Joe just like I was back in 97 trying to get our chance uh, to take on a championship caliber team. Corey, when you look at the atmosphere in Jordan Hare, I mean, tell fans what that atmosphere is going to be like a little bit later. I tell you what, Joe, this is going to be like no other. This is a rivalry that's a little bit different from most because the respect factor is extremely high. These are going to be two fan bases that drink from the same watering holes. These players all played against each other in college. These coaches very familiar with one another because of the proximity, so they recruit a lot of the same players, Joe. So the intensity is going to be extremely high because it is a family-type environment. But just like always, you want to beat up on your little brother every chance you get. And this is going to be no different. Even though we do respect each other, this is a bloodbath between the lines, and I'm looking forward to the excitement that the fans help generate because Jordan Hare is going to be extremely loud. The Bulldogs are going to have to stay focused. They've got some returning guys coming back on defense that are going to have to help keep them uh, really at the task because stopping that Auburn rushing attack right now, uh, I don't think anyone's had success doing it. Carryon Johnson's running the ball very well. Hey, Corey, it's Rich. Uh, I, I see these as two very similar football teams, offensively, defensively, philosophically, but the quarterbacks will play a key role, as they often do in these kinds of games. Who do you think faces more pressure today, Jake Fromm or, or Jared Stidham of Auburn? I think Jerry Stidham is going to face a lot more pressure for a few different reasons. Number one, he's playing at home in a home-cooked environment, so he should have that crowded environment in his favor. And he's going against the defense of the number one rated team in the country. So I think that pressure just in itself is going to be a lot for Stidham to take on. He's already had big games in front of him as an Auburn Tiger and did not have the success that he was looking for when you look at the Clemson matchup especially. So this is another chance for him to take the big stage at home, in front of his home fans, and take advantage of an opportunity. As far as Jake Fromm is concerned, his role won't change. He's been to South Bend, Indiana. He's had a chance to play in front of the home crowd in Athens. He understands his job is to hand the ball off to those great running backs, get it in the the playmaker's hands that he has around him on that offense, 
and, and rely on a strong and stout defense by not turning the ball over. So two different roles. I think Stidham is going to be forced to pass the ball a lot more, even though he has the better rushing attack as far as the way their plays are designed. Meanwhile, Fromm is going to do what he's done all year. Third down is going to be important for the Bulldogs. Corey, I want to turn our attention to another battle later tonight in the SEC West. It is Jalen Hurts on the road to face Nick Fitzgerald. You look at that ball game by Alabama. They won that matchup by 14 points over LSU, but I was very impressed with the offense and defensive line play of LSU's uh, defense and offense in that matchup, and I felt like they wore down Alabama. Now Alabama limps to Starkville. I mean, give me your thoughts about last week's performance by Alabama and what they can expect a little bit later tonight uh, against Nick Fitzgerald. Alabama can really expect to get their, the best punch that everyone can give them between the tackles. When you lose uh, three or four of your top-tier linebackers, which is what Alabama, uh, the position they find themselves in, then your running defense, your rush defense is going to automatically suffer. And I think that's the biggest the biggest takeaway from the game against LSU was Alabama's banged up a little bit between the tackles on the defensive side of the ball. Now, they still have a very strong defensive line, but Mississippi State, when you look at Nick Fitzgerald, excuse me, I think he's rushed for 100 yards in four straight games, and uh, to my, I didn't even know that that was a record in the SEC for the quarterback position. So their running attack is rolling downhill. Alabama's going to have to be stout in the middle. Their injuries right now are kind of slowing up that progress, but I feel like Nick Saban is going to try to keep those guys in position. They've got four and five stars coming off the bench. A great opportunity for them, but they got to do it on the road, and that crowd in Starkville is not going to be forgiving. Corey, my concern, and I, I think this is going to be a competitive, Joe and I both think this is going to be a competitive game in the second half, but my concern with Mississippi State is can they achieve balance on offense? You know that there has to be some kind of a threat from the passing game uh, against uh, Nick Saban and Alabama defense. Uh, what do you expect from Nick Fitzgerald, the passer, as opposed to what he could do with his legs? I think this is going to be one of those opportunities where Fitzgerald is going to have to take the RPO, the run-pass option, and really throw the ball as he's out on the perimeter, threatening that Alabama secondary and those linebackers. His best opportunity is to continue to make sure the new linebackers that are in play, they have to play responsible football. They have to continue to be disciplined, and their best bet is going to be not necessarily play action, but getting Fitzgerald on the perimeter, forcing the linebackers to make decisions to either stop the run or the pass, and then he can potentially dump it over their head because he's going to have to find ways to convert on third down, which is always important in these type matchups. Corey, when you look at Mississippi State's defense, I mean, they've forced teams to methodically work down the field. I look for the same type of game plan out of Todd Grandham's defense later tonight. But when I look at LSU, they brought pressure off the edge last week in terms of blitz packages. They did record four sacks against Jalen Hurts. Do you feel like Mississippi State has to roll the dice early to either force a turnover or allow their offense the ability to score first on Alabama? It's definitely a copycat league here, Joe. Looking at the SEC and thinking about Todd Grantham in particular, he watches the tape and he knows what it's giving Alabama trouble. Yes, they're going to have to apply pressure early and take chances because the one thing that Mississippi State is not in a position to do is to play Alabama head-up football and try to match up to a man. So you have to be creative, especially on the defensive side. Do your best to try to confuse or at least give Jalen Hurts some pressure in the pocket. 
but the main thing you need to do is to apply that pressure. You're going to have to take a few chances, especially creating one-on-one matchups on the outside. So if they can match up with Calvin Ridley at the wide receiver position on defense, Mississippi State is definitely going to take some chances. And trying to make sure Jalen Hurst doesn't burn you is going to be the big course for that defense today. Corey, let's keep it in the South, uh, South Beach to be specific. Uh, I, I have been so impressed with what Mark Richt has done uh, leading up to last week against Virginia Tech. I, I think this team is legitimately top 10, top 12. But how do you see Miami hosting Notre Dame uh, in what will be an epic matchup this evening? This is going to be one of those kick-you-in-the-teeth type of matchups. I didn't predict the success that Miami has had this early under Coach Rick. Uh, right now, when you look at what he's done, you have to tip your cap to the progress that team has made, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I knew he would be great for the offense. There are a lot of skilled players, and he's got good quarterback play, especially when he doesn't turn the ball over. But the defensive play, especially at linebacker, the linebackers at Miami are going to have to continue to play fast and furious. They're going to see a rushing attack coming from Notre Dame that's really downhill at over – 300 yards a game so I anticipate this being a bloodthirsty matchup with some linebackers really getting a chance to take a a chomp at those Notre Dame backfield running backs that are really again doing a great job running the ball downhill they've got some great play action play off their rushing attack so if you can't stop Notre Dame in the box Miami's going to have a long day on South Beach and I think they're focused on those efforts and Mark Rick knows what it's like to coach in big games I think he wants to win one right now I think when you look at the matchup against Georgia earlier in the year, I think Miami will take that type of defense approach a little bit later in this ball game, Corey. But what does Manny Diaz, in terms of that front seven, have to do matching up against a big, physical, heavy offensive line to contain Brandon Moonbush and Josh Adams? I think the main thing you do against that Notre Dame attack, if you're Miami, is, is make sure you contain on the end. You cannot allow edges to get taken advantage of by that Notre Dame uh, rushing attack because if they can find a way to seal you on the edges, the day gets much longer. Your defense is going to spend a lot more time on the field. You have to, as defensive ends and linebackers, you've got to find a way to make sure you keep those runs in between and contain everything in between the tackles because if those guys start to bounce it out, then Manny Diaz is going to be looking at his secondary to make tackles, and that is not their specialty. He's got great cover corners, and he's got some versatile safeties. But in my opinion, they're going to have to try to make sure that they keep that rushing attack between the tackles, don't allow those big running backs to bounce outside on your corners and secondary players because it might get ugly early. Corey, before you go, we're going to put you on record. How do you see all three of these games playing out? I tell you what, when you look at that Georgia-Auburn matchup, Joe, you know I got personal feelings about that one. Everyone on both sides knows it's going to be a great matchup. I got my Bulldogs coming out. A 10-point margin. Auburn keeps it close late. I see a 24-34 to matchup. Bulldogs come out even though Auburn pulls it closer. When I look at this Mississippi State-Alabama game, Joe, this is one that I think is going to be extremely exciting. And I want to call an upset extremely bad. But I think Saban's guys are going to be a little bit tougher. I see a bloodthirsty 24-17 to matchup. Crimson Tide come out on top. Now, when I go back to the South and I look at what they're going to do at South Beach, this is a game that's going to really help to dictate the pace of the rest of the college football playoff season. I've got Notre Dame upsetting Miami at home. Mark Rick still takes that L, unfortunately. Notre Dame 28, Miami 21. 
Wow. Corey Allen with the predictions yep. there. I, I yep. love the analysis, what he said about Mississippi State. They cannot play straight up against Nick Saban yep. in that ball game. I found that very intriguing because they dominated LSU at home earlier in the year, and they played that type of mentality. This is going to be a very intriguing matchup. And yet struggled on the road against better opponents like Georgia. So it'll be interesting to see if they could do it against Alabama. We're just getting started. We have another hour and a half left. When we come back, Game Time Decisions host Gabe Morenci gives us his best bets for the day. Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonella, live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there, where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. In just about an hour, you want to talk college football, you want to talk best bets, you bring in Game Time Decisions host Gabe Morenci. He joined us via Skype. Gabe rocking the FAU jersey. Uh, That's right. Florida Atlantic in the house already at six wins. Season win total, guys, was four and a half on the year. I thought it was... uh, Nothing's a gift, uh, but I thought the number was a little bit too low. Lane Kiffin and this um, dream team all-star of uh, misfit uh, coaching staff uh, that he has, I thought they would have an advantage on a weekly basis in this conference, uh, riding uh, what a five-game win streak uh, right now. Uh, I like what I see from Florida Atlantic, uh, but with so many huge games on the board uh, today, uh, they didn't make the cut as a, a best bet. I do think they're going to cover today, but not a best bet uh, with Lane Kiffin and the boys. And as we saw last week, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, kept you watching, hashtag. Uh, you got to be careful when laying points with Lane Kiffin. Well, let's keep it. For whatever at, the reason is. Well, let's keep it at 12 o'clock, Gabe. A game that uh, Rich and I both like. It's a best bet of mine is Virginia Tech on the road to face Georgia Tech. Traditionally, these games are very close. Last five games have been decided by five points per game. How do you see this one playing out? Another game that isn't on my list. I've got eight best bets. This isn't one of them. I have a bad taste that I've left in my mouth after Virginia Tech, uh, Virginia Tech's performance uh, last week. I got to be honest with you. I lean with the desperate Georgia Georgia Tech football team here, Joe. You know they got to get to six, and it's going to be tough to get to six. Uh, but it's got to start somewhere. I think Virginia Tech are slightly overrated. You know, they don't love this uh, football game from a betting standpoint. Could be a competitive uh, game. And in competitive games, I'll take a home dog uh, if I can in the game. I think it's a toss-up. 
Gabe, let's shift to some of the uh, marquee games that uh, fall under the heading of best bets for you. Let, let, let's roll right into Mississippi State, Alabama, ND, Miami, TCU, Oklahoma. Uh, give us some breakdown of those three big matchups. All right, let's start off with Mississippi State and Alabama. Nobody ever really talks about Alabama on a weekly basis because they're always, you know, they're monster favorites. We just sort of assume and expect that they're going to win. So there's not a lot of breakdowns of their games on a weekly basis. I think this is a, uh, I think this is a tough spot for them right now. I think Dan Mullen's playing with house money, um, and, and over the years we've talked about this, guys. But you know, honestly, I think we can count on literally one hand. Uh, I think Tom Brady has as many rings as uh, Nick Saban does have losses uh, at Alabama. But you look at the losses that he's had: Johnny Manziel, Johnny Football, uh, Cam Newton. Uh, Cam Newton has uh, caused him uh, issues. Uh, even this year, Texas A&M covered the number against Alabama. Long story short, mobile quarterbacks. Mobile quarterbacks who can run the football cause Alabama problems on the defensive side uh, of the sticks. And uh, I, I think playing with house money tonight, Mississippi State can run the football, eat the clock up, move the sticks a little bit, keep Alabama off the field. And let's be real, Alabama's offense had a nice little run you know, where they wanted to flex their muscles earlier in the year. But overall, I think it's a relatively pedestrian offense, uh, to be honest uh, with you. I think Alabama are going to be in a dogfight uh, up there in Starkville today. Ding, 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 ding. I'm ringing the cowbell. I'm ringing the cowbell with a live dog. Um, as far as uh, the Catholics versus convicts, I'm all in on Notre Dame, guys. And I've been telling you on a weekly basis, and I'm no Notre Dame fan. Uh, far from it. And incidentally... It's uh, Brian Kelly's 100th game today. Um, so, you know, congratulations to Kelly making it 100 games. He's in some uh, elite uh, company right now as far as coaches that have coached 100 games at Notre Dame. And what better way to celebrate your 100th game at South Bend with a big win against the Miami Hurricane team that's been skating on thin ice for weeks uh, right now. I think the pressure – listen, Miami have had a great year, and they're going to have a great year. But they're ahead of the, they're ahead of schedule right now. If you spoke to their coaching staff, I don't think anyone would have told you, yeah, we're going to be undefeated when we play Notre Dame on uh, November the 11th. I don't think anybody expected to see that, including Miami. Notre Dame is uh, – Notre Dame, this is what Notre Dame's all about. Everything's coming together for them right now. It's us against the world uh, with the Irish. People have underestimated them uh, for the most part on a weekly basis. I like Brian Kelly in a big game against Mark Rick like this. And I like the fact just that Notre Dame have big game experience, all right? On a weekly basis, guys, they played a killer schedule. I think they're used to this. They can handle the pressure. I think the, uh, the collar is going to start to tighten around Miami uh, a little bit uh, coming into this uh, football game. ton of pressure on the Miami Hurricanes. And, you know, overall, give me a football team that can run for 324 yards a game uh, like Notre Dame does. I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again. And, uh, you know, we're all old enough, unfortunately, even though Joe still looks like he gets carded when he goes to the club. <laughs> we're all old enough to remember Tony Rice. Brandon Wimbush reminds me of Tony Rice. This Notre Dame team reminds me of that Notre Dame team. And one of my favorite you know, quotes of, of Lou Holtz, and I remember him saying this, and people are like, ah, Notre Dame, they're not the best team in the country. Uh, this is back in, what was it, 88? Uh, they're not the best team in the country. They're overrated. It's because of, you know, the name Notre Dame Fighting Irish. And Lou Holtz said, we don't have to be the best team in the country. We just have to be the best team every Saturday. And I remember at the end of the year, he goes, I don't care if we're the best team. It's, you know, who's the best team? All we can do is be the best team every Saturday. And, 
you, you know, they remember the old Stonebreaker days, Michael Stonebreaker on that football team. And that's what they did. This Notre Dame team reminds me of uh, that football team a lot. I think they're a better football team. Uh, I don't like the fact there's been point spread movement, guys. It's up to three and a half uh, right now. So there's a lot of money coming in on the Irish. I'm a little hesitant about that. I do think it's going to be a closer football game. Uh, but I, I like the Notre Dame fighting Irish uh, in this spot a lot. As far as the early games are concerned, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm walking the dogs, guys. Rough, rough, rough. We're all about the dogs. And I don't know if I got a safety pin here somewhere because I want to pop another bubble. We talked about it last week with the bubble burst. College kids have a hard time picking themselves up off the mat off a disappointment. Um, right now, if you're Ohio State and you're Oklahoma State, there's there's no playoffs now. Let's be real. You know, you could, you know, I, I think Newt Rockney would have a hard time, uh, you know, talking these kids into believing they're still going to the playoffs. So it's a, it's a difficult situation for them. Meanwhile, the Cyclones, yeah, the Cyclones, uh, you know, they, they've lost some games. Cyclones weren't planning on going to the playoffs. You know, we had a kid that, you know, thought he'd be working at Walmart right now, let alone playing college football at the quarterback position. I love the term house money. They're playing with house money. Matt Campbell's been a uh, ATM machine as an underdog, guys. Five and one against the spread as a home dog uh, when uh, when getting uh, getting points in a situation like this, getting uh, six or more points, which is right around what the number is. It's gone up to seven right now. I think Iowa State gave Oklahoma State all they can handle today, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Cyclones win the game outright. And another one that's flying under the radar, this Ohio State team is over-freaking-rated, man. All right? You know, oh, JT Barrett, they can throw the ball now. Ohio State are back. Let's put them in the playoffs. You know, oh, Ohio State this, Urban Meyer that. You know, they got, they got they got drilled in the championship in the playoff game last year. You know, they've been getting 50-plus hung up on routinely almost. Now, no, not routinely, but every couple of weeks in a big game. Speaking of picking yourself up off the mat, I think Ohio State's going to be in a dogfight just to win this football game, let alone to cover 17 points. I got a, I got a, I got a seven-win team, a two-loss team, getting 17 points against a team that's overrated, coming off a you know, heartbreaking loss after heartbreaking loss. You know, the last two years these two teams have played has been decided by three points. I look back the last six times, it's been decided by 30 combined points, average of five points a game. Give me the live dog with Michigan State Spartans. Gabe, let's stick in the Big Ten. Iowa and Wisconsin, this game has Big Ten championship implications, and your Michigan Wolverines do face the Badgers next week in week number 12. Rich likes Iowa to keep this game close. I like Wisconsin to pull away in the end and cover this number. How do you see this one? I think um, I think they're going to systematically wear them down. I think Wisconsin's an underrated football team. We talk about people criticizing their schedule and oh, they're not this, they're not that. Listen, I tell you what, they're they're a heck of a lot better than every team they play against, aren't they? Uh, on a weekly basis, uh, at home they have an average of thirty-five points a game, only giving up fourteen points a game. Iowa's a dangerous team at home. Iowa struggles on the road. I think this is a flat spot letdown uh, situation. You've got Iowa coming off that uh, that win. I mean, I, you know, I, I would have liked to be one of the kids on the Iowa football team uh, last Saturday night, uh, you know, or, or all week long because they were the most popular kids on campus. Uh, but this is a tough spot to get up for this right now. You know, Wisconsin systematically just wear you out as the football game goes on, and I think that's what we see here. I, you know, I don't love it. I do think Wisconsin's going to win. I think Wisconsin probably wins by about 13, 14 points. 
in a low-scoring, you know, typical Big Ten game, let's say 27, 24-10, 27-10 style football game. Gabe, we'll get you on next hour. We'll talk about some of the closer games. There's a lot of games at 12 and 3.30 that are less than three points. We'll talk to you in about an hour. Yeah, I've got some military academy games. And a shout-out to all the uh, the vets out there on this uh, Veterans uh, Day. And uh, how can we bet against the military academies? We'll talk about that on the other side. Great insight and information. Yep. He mentioned the vets. It is Veterans Day. I'll give a shout-out to my daughter, Victoria, 14 years old. It's a great day. I'm looking to hit all my games uh, a little bit later. But, well, uh, the one intriguing factor that he brought up about uh, Mississippi State as well is this is going to be a game where they're they're they have nothing to lose either. They're going to go up and play Alabama and not fear them because they're playing with house money. Well, so much is going to depend on tempo and momentum and mindset in that first quarter. Joe, you bring this up a lot, and I agree with you. This is one of those games that if Mississippi State can score first, crowd's going to be in it. But man, they are going to be rocking. If Nick Fitzgerald goes through that defense and scores, that could set the tempo for the rest of the game in Starkville. And from a mentality perspective, knowing that there's injuries on the defensive side of the ball, does that put a little uncertainty into that Alabama defense if Nick Fitzgerald does have success on the opening drive? We're just getting started. When we come back, rapid-fire picks. Keep it where it is. Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. The award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network is your free fantasy source 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. You can catch this show and many others live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app, iHeartRadio, or TuneIn Radio. Want to listen on your computer at work? Go to FNTSY.com slash radio or check us out on YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page where you can ask questions, discuss topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your questions on the air. The number is 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 days a year fantasy sports network of its kind without a subscription. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your fantasy source. Rapid fire picks, solid ACC battle, NC State on the road in Chestnut Hill. Boston College has won three of the last five by 13.3 points per game. NC State has allowed 318 rushing yards to Notre Dame, 224 last week to Clemson. This is their third row game over the last four games, Rich, and they're facing a team coming out of a bye in Boston College that is averaging 199 rushing yards on the ground. To me, that's the difference. BC picks up a 10-point victory. I agree. I mean, at some point this season, the Boston College offense found a rhythm behind A.J. Dillon. Doesn't matter who the quarterback is, but A.J. Dillon, the rookie running back, has been spectacular. And I think NC State has lost some of the steam with those back-to-back losses, emotional losses to Clemson and Notre Dame. I'm on BC as well. I agree. It is a 12 o'clock start. Check that game out. It is, I believe, on ABC in about an hour. We'll turn our attention to a Pac-12 battle. Mike Leach in Washington State on the road against Utah. 
Utah struggles with speed teams. I like Washington State. I like that victory last week where they picked up a 24-21 to win over Stanford. I think it continues. Double-digit win, anywhere from 10 to 13 points against the Utes. I agree. I think this line is too low. Uh, we we agree for the second straight time. Uh-oh. Washington State with Luke Falk. You know, he had some issues, got benched a few weeks ago, but has bounced back. That big win against Stanford. Utah is a good home team unless they're playing another quality opponent. They have not played well against really top-tier, top-25 teams. I think that continues. Washington State maybe, maybe still with a shot of uh, of winning the Pac-12 North. Intriguing. A lot at stake. Yeah, an intriguing ACC battle. Bronco Mendenhall and Virginia off a gutty 40-36 to win over Georgia Tech. Go on the road to Papa John's. Louisville sitting at 5-4, and four, coming out of a bye week. I really like Louisville here. I know Virginia's playing very well on both sides of the ball. Third down conversion are a concern for me. Virginia over the last couple of weeks, 10 of 34 on third down conversions. This is a Louisville offense that's still rushing for over 200, passing for 333 through the air. I think Lamar Jackson bounces back in a big way. 17 point or more victory in Papa John's. And Joe, would, uh, Lamar's going to get his yards, he's going to get his points because he always does, but I'm going to say that they can't stop anyone. I mean, they're like a poor man's Oklahoma at this point. Louisville's defense is absolutely horrendous. Virginia's playing with confidence. Bowl eligible in Broncos' second season. Impressed by their victory last week against Georgia Tech. The offense found a little bit of rhythm. So I'll take Lou, uh, I'll take Virginia as one of my best bets getting more than 10 points. I, well, best bet of mine is Virginia and uh, West Virginia and Will Greer on the road to face Bill Snyder in Kansas State. I love what West Virginia did last week. 20 20- 20 to 16 over Iowa State. I was on the Mountaineers. I think it continues against a Kansas State secondary that's giving up 295 passing yards per game, and more importantly, over the last three games has allowed over 400 yards passing. Will Greer, 30 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. I think they get a convincing 17-point road win over the Wildcats. I don't see it that way. I think in Manhattan, Kansas State still a well-coached team. West Virginia lacks consistency for me, Joe. I'm a big Will Greer fan, but defensively they're up and down. I think Kansas State on the ground and with their special teams, superior special teams, I'll take Kansas State. Yeah, here's a factor that why I like West Virginia as well. I mean, Kansas State has five wins. One came against an FCS opponent. The other four wins, Rich, against opponents with a combined overall record of 7-29 and or a 194 winning percentage. They beat beat three 1-8 teams. Charlotte, Kansas, Baylor, and Texas Tech at four and five that's why i like will greer and the crew we'll see that is a 330 start when we come back we'll be breaking down the top 25 games joe lisi and rich sermonello live on the fantasy sports radio network